Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sci-Fi Unchained. So for this episode, I wanted to quickly go over the state of modern sci-fi. We don't have any big groundbreaking um, series, any shows that the sci-fi community as a whole are uh, watching and getting behind. Certainly nothing to the extent of, say, Game of Thrones. But what we do have is pretty stinking awesome. We have things like Westworld, Love, Death, and Robots, which is on Netflix. If you have Netflix, go and watch it, please. It is amazing. It's a really good show with all of these shorts. They they range from like three minutes to 15 minutes or 20. All different art styles. There's only a couple of them that are live action. And it's indescribable how really, really cool this series is. It's hardly even a series. It's it's an anthology series. It's an amalgamation of all these different kinds of stories. It's really fun. We also have things that are, well, that are comedic. Uh, we have Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty is hilarious, to say the least. Um, but why Rick and Morty is so important is because it deals in... Uh, Dissecting things like nihilism uh, and self-sacrifice, which is not necessarily new for, say, a cartoon show, to say the least, but it does it in such a cool and badass way that you kind of forget that you're watching a cartoon. Sometimes. At, at least from my perspective. Um, let's see. We also have things like Westworld. Now, West, Westworld is a remake, granted. Uh, and I, I have some studded feelings about remakes. Sometimes they're really good, like Battlestar Galactica. Sometimes they're absolute wastes of human garbage, like the Avatar The Last Airbender movie. I hate you, M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, Westworld. I haven't seen all of the most recent season, but wow. that And that was my introduction to Westworld. Now I have to go back and look at the original, which I am happy to do, even though I know that it's going to be, uh, it's, it's not going to have as great, effects. It's not going to have as great acting. It, it's going to be something that I'm really going to enjoy because I really enjoy the, the uh, remake so much. It, it's, it's not the same as watching a prequel and understanding where things come from, but it's understanding where things come from in terms of how the re the uh, remake came about uh, and and the the a more in depth look at say characters and the writing differences, um, the maybe understanding the liberties that were taken uh, with certain characters in the remake, and you can for sure do that by doing a side by side between a remake and an original. 
Take Battlestar Galactica, for example. Or hell, even Picard <laughs> and uh, old, old school Star Trek. <sighs> yes, now we have to talk about Picard. Oof. It was not great. <laughs> it was... It, no. And as far as I can tell, that's kind of the feeling that I get from most other uh, Star Trek fans is it's just blech. Not only underwhelming, but wildly disappointing from what we're expecting from a reboot. Well, is it a reboot or a continuation? I, I think it's more of a continuation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a continuation. Uh, which is even worse. It's not as bad as the Star Wars sequel trilogy turned out to be, but it's bad. It's pretty bad. Very hollow and disappointing. Um, Doctor Who. So, Doctor Who seemed like it was going to be promising. Uh, I enjoy Jodie Whittaker as an actor, but again, it, it just falls so short, and it's because of the writing. That is blatantly obvious, and it's been dissected by I I know some uh, some Whovian historians <laughs> here in Texas, uh, and. I, I heard them speak at a uh, Comic Palooza panel uh, two years ago, and it, they said the exact same thing, but much more eloquent and uh, in greater detail. That this new iteration with this new wave of writers has just been really sad and disappointing in how obvious it is that they're pandering to people and they're trying to hold their their fan base's hands and say, look, we're going to steer you to what's morally correct. It's the same criticism I had with the live action Aladdin movie and uh, Jasmine's character, how they reworked her instead of her having a 30 second song about being a strong female character, show it. Don't tell me. Show it. And don't show it with being so on the nose. Like like in Avengers Endgame. That that was incredibly on the nose. The the Captain Marvel women's march power movement thing at, at the end in the battle scene. Uh, this sounds really terrible. <laughs> but Thanos' army rushes up against Captain Marvel and Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like, I don't know how you're going to get through all that. And all of the badass female characters come up and Okoye says, don't worry, she's got help. She just destroyed Thanos' ship that was shooting giant laser cannons at her. I think she can handle like really small <laughs> space alien pistols and, and dogs and stuff. I think she's fine, kid. <laughs> she can just use her powers and wipe them all off the earth. It's in 
some some analysis has been done uh, between the MCU's version of Captain Marvel and the comic book version of Captain Marvel. If we went by the comic book version, she should have been able to just punch Thanos in the face and it's over. They they play around with her power consistencies kind of willy-nilly. Which, I, mm, as somebody who enjoys comic books very much, uh, I didn't really like. But at the same time, I understand that you have to change things up for a movie's sake. So I was kind of okay with that. I, I didn't let that distract me too much. And it wasn't something that came to mind while I was watching the movie, uh, more so than my afterthought when I was thinking about it and dissecting the movie and going through how everything uh, made me feel, what it made me think, um, all that kind of good stuff. So there's tons of, oh, uh, another modern sci-fi show that's pretty cool is The Expanse. The Expanse is really, really fun. Um, it, it plays around with some concepts that haven't really been touched on, at least not in live action sci-fi. Um, there's a couple of Gundam series, uh, especially Iron-Blooded Orphans, that, that kind of has the same world building. Uh, as the expanse in, in that Mars earth and uh, a tertiary government in between exists in, in the solar system. And there's all of this infighting and all that kind of good jazz. Um, political intrigue ensues. It, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, it's, not got too much that it has a couple of newer elements in it, I would say, but it's stuff that we're familiar with. We can catch on. Um, something I, I do kind of notice is we don't have, we don't have a ton of like, you, you remember back in like the early two thousands where we had show after show after show that, while none of them were really gold standard shows, they were all shows that you wanted to TiVo, right? You you wanted to get them on DVR and and watch them when you got home, like Farscape, Andromeda, Sanctuary, Warehouse 13, Eureka, Outer Limits, X-Files, uh, Stargate, all... And we had them all kind of in the same time period it, with, within a five to seven year range. But I, I think because everything is so immediate right now. Uh, and when, when I say that is we have YouTube TV, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu. It, it, we, we have all of these, things that are that are getting us entertainment so quickly that I don't think that studios are really taking the time to get us those silver age kind of shows anymore. They're all either really awesome or they suck. <laughs> right? Um I mean Picard is a huge example. 
Doctor Who, now it is, unfortunately, is a huge example. Which I guess I can kind of understand, but... And to, to their credit, I, and Disney did this with The Mandalorian and Star Wars Clone Wars last season, season seven. I, I think they're starting to understand that, that they need to go back to uh, a weekly release kind of thing instead of the, uh, the Netflix or Amazon or Hulu way of releasing things. And now, I have n no problem with that, but the experience is vastly different. I have a week to digest what I just saw. I, I have time to flesh through what I went through with an episode and speculate on what was happening, talk about it with my friends. But when everything is thrown at you all, all at once, here, here's an entire season. There an hour per episode and there's 20 episodes here have fun binge finish it in two days and then complain for a year that we don't get you another season quicker i hate to say it but i think the weekly episode release is a better format and i think it's it's a safe thing to speculate on because we have had uh, the the opposite form of episode releases where they're just, you know, giving us a whole season all at once. We've had that now for a good while, at, at least however long Netflix has been around, which has been a long time now. What, nine or ten years? Probably more than that. I'm probably wrong. It's probably more than that. So the these are all elements that are steering where sci-fi is headed as a genre. Um, the kind of entertainment that we're getting. And we are getting some really, really awesome stuff. Don't get me wrong. We're getting things that I can't wait until there's more. Like Westworld. Like Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, the Expanse, I'll watch it. I'll I'll see what's up. I'll see what's happening. Um, it's not something that I'm tripping over my shoes to, to get to my television to watch. But, you know, it's it's there. It's... It, mm. we're, we're also not seeing a centralized mode of uh, of sci-fi content being given to us, right? Like we don't have, I mean, we have sci-fi channel and they have little projects here and there. I think they have a, like a, like a, some kind of talk show where they, where they talk about science fiction now, which is cool. I'll have to check that out. But they're not the same sci-fi channel that we had. They're completely different. They're giving us something completely different. And while differences and change and all in progress is good, 
is it worth n- not giving us the same quality and quantity that we had? Now it seems like we're sacrificing having one for the other instead of finding that happy medium and giving us a full plate of good stuff instead of a small plate of awesomeness or a huge plate of crap. So, yeah, it it doesn't necessarily have to be Sci-Fi Channel itself. It could be... um, it could be something like Rooster Teeth, where everything is done online. They have had wild success with that. Uh, between their Achievement Hunter, Red vs. Blue, Ruby, they've proven that it can be done all online, and they're incredibly successful at it. Granted, they've done it over years and in, in years, but they're, they've proven that it can happen. And it can happen more expediently now that we have all of these innovations that they didn't have back then when they started. So I I guess what I really want to see is go out there and make it. I I would love to do that. In in fact, that's something that I, uh, (laughs) it's kind of a dream of mine to do. If, if I could, if, if I could, (laughs) <laughs> I I would dream of having my own studio uh, where I could produce, you know, some some web-based shows, throw them up on YouTube, give them their own website where people could go and watch them and, you know, get shirts and mugs and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, we could have, you know, character and fan interactions it, it, it would be fun. It would be fun. It would be really awesome to do that. I would love doing that. But um, if I am, and hey, the dream is there, uh, that <laughs> I think that would be a long ways off. I, I have a lot to do. I have a lot to go through before I can get to that point, or even come close to getting to that point. But hey, um, if anything... Sci-fi does teach us to dream and, and, to, and to push for our goals and our ambitions. And I would encourage you all to do the same. Well, that is all for right now, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And stick around for more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends. And may the Force be with us all. <laughs>